If you are joining us in the study of the Sermon on the Mount, we have been listening as a church to the words of Jesus. The people who first heard this sermon, it says in the Bible they were astonished. I think the way we might say that today is that they were absolutely blown away. And before we dig in further into our passage today, what I'd like for us to do is just review for a moment where we've been when it comes to this sermon and uh, what Jesus has taught us so far. The sermon is in Matthew 5 to 7. In Matthew 5, Jesus leads with blessings on his people. So he's done that. He's pronounced blessings on the poor in spirit. He's pronounced blessings on the merciful, those who are persecuted, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus then identifies his people. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He identifies who who really is his and what their mission in this world is meant to be. Then Jesus moves on to commands at the end of Matthew 5, and he tells his people how they should live. He blesses before he gives commands. Grace comes before the law, always with the Lord. And then in Matthew 6, Jesus begins to speak of devotions. And we've looked at this the past uh, couple weeks, the, particularly the acts of righteousness, practicing righteousness like giving to the needy or praying or fasting. We've looked at what Jesus says about that. He had particular instructions on that. But this week, Jesus zeroes in on our treasure, on our stuff. I love the fact that Jesus won't let us do what we never can do in life, and that is kind of separate spiritual and earthly things as if somehow they're just two different universes apart. No, they are together. And right on the heels of Jesus speaking of what it means to practice our righteousness, what it means to be whole person righteous, he then tells us what it means for us to have treasure and what we should do with them. So I'm going to ask uh, Michael Hale to come and We're going to hear from Jesus this morning as he reads from Matthew 6, verse 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either... He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Thank you so much, Mike. Here's what I'd like for us to do this morning. I I do have a request of you. I want you to begin to prepare a list. Prepare a list of things you really treasure. So maybe write down five or six of these things. Take, take mental inventory. It may be helpful not just to do it mentally, but actually to get out like a piece of paper or, or put it in something that you can retrieve. If you can't come up with five or six, at least you know, you'll have a few that will help us think about the words of Jesus today. 
These are things you really treasure. So while you may or may not like really appreciate your garbage disposal or a few extra pickles on your sandwich at Chick-fil-A or good gas mileage or like nice Wi-Fi, all those things are nice, right? I'm talking about the things you really, really treasure. And I think I I want to at least have in your mind some of the ways you know you treasure these things. So I'd like for you to just look at a list because these are some of the ways you're going to know that you treasure things. So the things that you make sacrifices for are going to be an indicator of what you treasure. The things that form your identity, the things that shape like how you would even identify yourself, the the things that you can imagine, it would like deeply hurt to lose this. It's probably something you treasure, something you would fight, and you might even fight hard to protect. Some things that inform the decisions you make. So in light of this, you decide that. Things that where you think of your present and you think of the future in terms of them. So... This might be your treasure. Things that you invest in. Things that you work to get them if you have a sense you don't have them. So again, that that list is going to stay up for a moment. But I want to share, I've had an advantage in that I knew I was going to ask you to think of those things. So I've I've already formed my list. So hopefully top of that list would be my relationship with the Lord that now has spanned a few decades. Hopefully that's something I treasure and that these kind of statements would be true of that. Uh, I can also say my my family members are, are something that I treasure in this way. Memories of my dad and his influence on my life will be things I treasure until I meet him again. Some of the deep friendships that the Lord has given me over the years are something that is very, very close to my heart. I think of the calling that God gave and the door that was opened to me to be at Ogletown. And all that involves is a treasure to me. I think the opportunity and the ability, whatever God gives, to encourage people is a treasure to me. So let me just say, so I think I, li- I listed six different things. That list is not exhaustive. There are probably some things that could have been on that list that I didn't share. But I do want you to even think about, so you have your own list, I have my list. But, but I'm guessing even with that list, that is not really a tough exercise for me to, to state those in, in front of you. And actually, I could state those, and you could have a similar list. Maybe they're different in some places, but you could have a similar list. And it, it actually, you don't lose standing if you say, here, here are some of the things that are, I, I really treasure. So I actually think the best work will be done when we work on another list. Because there is this list that I, I think is true. By God, I mean, God knows my heart. So I think all of what I said is true. But I also find there's list number two that I also had to work on this week. And that's more of a shadow list. That's kind of not necessarily what I would want to share, certainly with people of faith. 
It's, it's some of those things that aren't actually the most flattering, but they frankly are just as real when I evaluate it with, in light of those questions. It's just as real. And if I were to rank somehow list number one and list number two, probably it would just be intermixed of, of how these things rank in the treasures that I have. So just in, in an exercise of confessing some other things that I treasure. And again, I would challenge you to have this also same exercise of, okay, what am I treasuring? Again, if you look at those things, I'd have, if, if I'm honest, knowing God sees my heart, I'd have to say, I treasure people respecting me or the positions I have or the life that I've lived. I can easily treasure my health that keeps me from a lot of physical suffering. I find myself treasuring not having to worry about every dollar I spend or even every cent I spend. I treasure conveniences. I treasure a, conven- a, a living space that is filled with conveniences. I, I tre- treasure my, my transportation that is filled with conveniences. I don't have to have them. But, oh, they, they make a difference to me. I treasure the entertainment choices that are pretty much at, the, at one click away. And that I can get it when I want it. I, I, I treasure the, the communication that I can pretty much talk to people that matter to me real time with these amazing devices. If I'm looking at my life, I treasure the ability to be in control of most situations. I treasure education and access to information. And everything that I've just said, that's not an exhaustive list either. And your second list on it probably has things that mine doesn't. Mine has things that yours doesn't. There, there are things like maybe, maybe you have on that second list that maybe isn't quite so flattering. You really, really treasure your dreams of retirement. You really, really treasure the perfect family situation that so-and-so has that you've yet to experience. You really, really treasure a certain image, a certain look you can project. You really, really treasure other people's approval, so much so that you work hard to protect it, and you would be lost without it. You work hard, you treasure, you treasure maybe a collection of things or maybe an award you've gotten or a status you've reached or an achievement or an accomplishment that everybody knows you're somebody and you treasure that. Or maybe on your list, it would be a relationship or the relationship you actually don't have or some sort of dating or marriage, or maybe it would be a a new toy, a grown-up toy, a, a, a hobby of some sort, or maybe it's just like you treasure freedom. You would, you would so value freedom from your current responsibilities. You would love to be able to just mail it all in and say, you can have it. I'm going to do what I want to do. My guess is there are two lists, and often the list I want to project, and then the shadow list, the second list, makes me really, really need to listen to what Jesus says. Because in list number two, I, my goodness, I make sacrifices for those just as well. I hurt when I lose those things. On list number two, I fight to protect those. I I make decisions based on those. 
I, I identify myself with these things. And the problem with the second list, if I'm really able to go under like the microscope of spiritual scrutiny, the problem with my second list is Jesus gave me a warning about it. Jesus told me to be careful. And it's a very realistic warning. It's not a stretch. Hypothetically, if you ever have a problem in this area, it's a very real warning. And this is the warning he gave. Mike read it for us a moment ago in verse 19. Do not, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Because on earth, those treasures, moth and rust, destroy those. And thieves can even steal them. So it's just interesting, the, the moth, the rust, and thieves. I, I, think, I think what Jesus is telling us is there are, there are temporary treasures that, that moths or nature can just take away from you. Nature itself will, you, you can't hold on to it because nature is going to come at it. And there are some things that actually it's not so much nature but time. And so that's like rust eats away at something. There are some things that just over the course of time, you're not going to be able to hold on to it. And then there are some things that not just... Not just nature or time, but actually bad people can take something away from you. And Jesus says, don't put your treasure there. And you know, when I, when I evaluated my first list that I made, okay, what do I really treasure right now? I would say a lot of things on there aren't so temporary. But when I come to my second list, there's a whole lot of temporary on there. And there's not much heaven related on that second list for me. There's so many things that I, ne- I couldn't hold on to with certainty for a few years, much less for the next hundred million uh, entering into eternity. Do I really think I can hold on to with no threat of losing people respecting me? Do I really think? I mean, surely something could take that away in a moment. Do I really think I can hang on to people, people's approval of me, everybody liking me? thinking good things about me? Do I really think I can hold on to my health when nature and time are actually going to push in the opposite direction of me holding on to great health? Do I really think that I can hold on to this convenience or not having to worry about every dollar I spend? Don't I realize, don't I realize, don't you realize in a moment these things could change, nature could change it all. Some storm could wipe all this, this collection of things away. Do we not realize that time could actually diminish what you want? Do do you not realize that there are are people in this world that may go the opposite direction and you want to control, you want to control your family. You want them to march at the beat of your drum, but but time may say that's actually not going to happen. You're not going to get your way. And Jesus graciously gives us a warning here. What treasure are you storing up that's totally temporary? And what treasure am I storing up that will matter in a hundred years? Years from now, let's, 100,000 years from now, Jesus meant for his followers to be awake and alive to spiritual reality. He's not dull here. I don't care whether you're 15 or 85. Jesus wants you to be alive, that you are on this earth to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. So if we're alive to that, what can we do? What can we do as followers of Jesus? What must we do? What is Jesus calling me to do? I think as I read this passage, I, I recognize that Jesus 
is calling me to grasp, to grasp how much treasuring something really shapes my heart. So whatever is on your list, and again, if you didn't finish your list, I would tell you, and then the next 24 hours, maybe with the holiday weekend, you'll have time to be gut-level honest about what you're really treasuring right now. In that, how much you treasure something has a way of shaping your heart. This is what Jesus says. He says, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So it's like, here's your treasure and your heart is sure to follow. Here's what you value. And what Jesus says authoritatively is, your heart is going to follow. And he's not just waxing poetic. He's telling us of realities. Jesus really, really cares about the heart. The whole Bible deals in the language of the heart. It's not enough to have external conformity to some rules. It's not enough to have verbal assent to some beliefs. It's not enough to just grow up in a Christian home. It's not enough to have sympathies toward Christianity. What matters is what's going on in your heart. What mattered for the nation of Israel was what was going on in their heart. What matters to the followers of Jesus is what is going on in our heart. God cares so much about our hearts that he deals with that defective spiritual heart. And the language he uses is, I'm going to take out this heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart transplant, spiritually speaking, because it is so important about what's going on there. And Jesus says, you know what you treasure? That is exactly where your heart's going to be. And over and over again in the Bible, we're told to guard our heart. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart with all vigilance because out of it flows all the issues of life. Jesus would say later in Matthew 15, verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. I, I want to say, well, at least my heart was in the right place, but Jesus says, actually, often it's not in the right place. Don't be deceived. Luke chapter 6 says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart will produce good, but the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our heart really matters. So treasure, our, our heart's going to follow that. So then it really matters what we treasure. And this is where I think we need a perspective. We need to understand how important it is the vision of what we see like really, really matters. And I think Jesus speaks specifically to this vision, this issue of seeing when he, he says in verse 22, verse 23, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye goes bad, your whole body is full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. It's interesting. Jesus is talking about treasure and he's talking about laying up treasure. And then he seems to switch gears and Give us a lesson about the eye and what's going on there. Here's the connection I think Jesus is making. I think if we replace the word eye with spiritual vision, I think we may even get a better understanding of what Jesus is saying. If we said it this way, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your spiritual vision is healthy, if you're seeing things the way you, you need to be seeing them spiritually, then your whole body's going to be full of light. But if your spiritual vision is bad, if it's messed up, if you're not seeing things the way they matter for eternity, then actually your whole body is full of darkness. And if, if then the light 
in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? There's, there's all sorts of complexities related to this analogy, but I think it's simple. What keeps your spiritual vision sharp is like when we know what, what exactly the treasure really is. And so I'm going to need to put all kinds of things into my life to help correct this spiritual vision so that my eye will be seeing things. It'll be healthy. It'll be seeing things the way I need to see them. I need to have regular time invested in hearing from the Lord and his word, not just like going through the motions of, oh yeah, this is just Bible reading time, but I need to hear from the Lord because my spiritual vision may be all messed up. I need God's word to correct it. I need to listen and hear and meditate and reflect and submit to it and enjoy God's word. Otherwise, I might lean on my own understanding. I need time together with God's people because there's something about being with each other that actually helps correct our spiritual vision. I may live on kind of my own way of thinking, but then I'm reminded when I meet with people who love the world, who are, who, who are in this world, who are in this world but not of it, who, who love the Lord, when I have settings like this gathering or like a Sunday Bible study class that I just came from or smaller settings in our home when I'm at a kitchen table with someone that loves the Lord, someone that's my brother or sister in Christ or we're in the living room and we're pushing each other, we are, we are saying, let's get our spiritual vision right. Let's live for things that matter. Do we grasp how much treasuring something shapes our hearts? We better. I think Jesus would also, in verse 24, call us to realize that I live in this world as the servant of one master. Again, I'm, I'm trying to follow the, what Jesus is teaching. So he talks about treasure, and then he talks about like seeing things. But then he comes with this last statement in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. We were talking about treasure. Now Jesus is talking about masters. What is the connection? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And I think actually we don't just have serving language. We have worship language. And over and over again, Scripture reminds us that we as humans, we serve. We worship. It's not whether, whether we will worship or not. It's just whom or what we will worship. Whom or what we will serve. We like to think we're all powerful, though. We don't serve anybody. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the commander of my soul. And God would tell us, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Everybody, everybody is serving something. Jesus tells us there's going to be something, some idea, someone telling us what to do with a big claim of absolute allegiance over us. We're serving. We're serving. And, and actually, when you go through what Jesus accomplished with the gospel, I mean, there's all sorts of images in the Bible that God uses to help us understand. And one is, of course, adoption, and we're brought into God's family. One is a rescue. We were drowning, and God saved us. One's forgiveness. We had something against us, but God is taking care of that. Another image would be, like, clean before the Lord. But one image God uses that maybe we don't think about often enough is this issue of being someone's servant. Because when Jesus came... For us, he came for people that were actually in spiritual bondage and in, in, in slavery to sin. That's what scripture teaches. We weren't just doing our own thing. We were doing the sinful impulses of our heart. 
The Bible tells us that sin was our master, but then God moved with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and Jesus came and lived a perfect life. Sin was not his master. And then he died on the cross, this sacrificial death, and then he rose in victory, conquering, conquering sin. And so no longer are the people of God under the dominion of sin. Sin does not reign over us. But it isn't like, well, since sin is not over you, you you actually don't have a master anymore. That is not the way the Bible speaks of our salvation. It says, actually, you're no longer under the dominion of sin. You are under the lordship of Jesus. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, the right response is to glorify God with your body. You're not your own. I don't get to do as I please. Actually, my master has been transferred. I'm no longer under sin, but I am under, I'm under Christ. And Jesus would say, come to me, all who are weary. I do have, I do have a yoke that I'm going to put, put on you because you are my servant. But the yoke is easy. And I do have a burden that I'm going to place on you. But, but, but don't be worried. That burden is light. You're serving a perfect father. You are serving a perfect master. Christians are those who serve God, and Jesus makes it crystal clear in this passage. What nobody can ever do is serve two masters. And so he gives us the options, right? You either serve, you either serve God, our Heavenly Father, the one who pours out his blessings on us, just like the Beatitudes said he does, the one who says, This is the way you should pray, our Father. The one who rewards us when we practice righteousness in secret. We can serve him, or scripture says we can serve, and the ESV, the translation we use, says you can serve money. Many other translations will say you could serve mammon. And it's interesting, I think that word mammon is just a way to like personify, make a name of this other thing you can serve. And this other thing is not just money. So I feel like maybe it's a limiting translation. I, I think actually it's, it's gain and it's success. It's like trying your hardest to get ahead. You can either serve God or you can serve this other thing called mammon. But you can't serve both. And Jesus hammers that point. And I think one of the reasons he hammers that point is because we say, well, I, I'd like to try to actually serve both. You know, I'd kind of like to diversify my spiritual portfolio. I'd like to have, I'd like to have treasures on earth, maybe a few of those. And actually, I'd like some treasures in heaven. Why can't I do both? I think I can. And Jesus says, you're not able. You're not able. It's not possible. Because it's two very different masters calling very, very different shots. Jesus doesn't offer a compromise here. He tells us there's a contrast. And he reminds us, don't kid yourselves. This is an either-or scenario. You're not, you're not an independent contractor trying to make two different bosses happy. You're a servant of one or the other. If I put it all together, I think this passage is saying something like this. Your heart is going to follow your treasure. That's just going to happen. Your heart is going to follow your treasure. And what you treasure will be determined by how you see the world, your spiritual vision. What you treasure is going to be determined by how you see the world. And how you see the world is determined by who or what is the master in your life, who really calls the shots, who really says this is the way it's going to be. 
And regardless of your stage in life, regardless of your economic status, regardless of your marital status, you are making all kinds of decisions based on what you think is important for enjoying the good life now and for securing the good life in the future. You're making all kinds of decisions based on that. I hope you take time to write out the lists that I talked about at the beginning. I hope you do so honestly. I mean, who are you, who are you pretending for? I hope you evaluate those lists because Jesus has just given us something very, very worthy to think about. He's just put on our plate, like how temporary is the treasure that you're living for? How temporary is it? How would your treasures look different if your Father in heaven was truly, truly at the center of your life and the enjoyment of eternity and heaven with him was real to you? How different would your treasure list look? How much of what you treasure the most actually centers on your enjoyment of God, your sacrifice for him, your time with him, your happy obedience to him, your gratitude toward him, your acts of devotion to him? And how much of what you treasure most matters at all in the kingdom of heaven? You are aware that the kingdom of heaven, the economics work differently there. You are aware that the currency is very different in the kingdom of heaven, right? You are aware that there is a difference in values and treasures in heaven. So Jesus has told us, Take inventory. Take inventory of what you're spending. Take inventory of what you're collecting, what you're storing up. Can I ask you to bow your head with me in prayer? It struck me this week as I was wrestling through all the things I treasure that I shouldn't be, how gracious it is of the Lord to not let me go another five years treasuring the wrong things, but to at least pump the brakes here on my heart and tell me, don't, don't go down that path because moth and rust and thieves, don't go down that path. And this morning could be a reset for you, a spiritual reset where you repent and you turn from everything else and you turn to Christ and say, my list doesn't look so good, Lord. And he hears and he forgives. Father, thank you that you don't let me pursue. You don't let any of my brothers and sisters in Christ pursue treasures that will only blow up in our face without some of your convicting work. So thank you. Although it's not fun, thank you for your convicting work even this morning and throughout this week. And Lord, I pray that we would not discount what Jesus has just told us to do, that we would not find loopholes or other options, but we would, we would lay up treasures in heaven. We would serve you. We'd be devoted to you, even if that means hating everything else that would draw our hearts away from you. Lord, we can only do this because you give us the strength to. So by your spirit, work in us what is just not natural in our flesh. I do this to make Jesus' name great, that we might Live our lives as if he's the supreme treasure. We ask it all in his name. Amen.